to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the festive Matt. Hello there. So, yeah, we're, we're doing another Christmas special today. Another Christmas yeah. and another historical episode. Yeah, is this like our third Christmas this year yeah. or something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, that'll be interesting, yeah, so, so it's the next Doctor uh, but before we get there, uh, I just wanted to say up top that I don't want to derail us too much, but uh, this is our first time recording since the uh, sad news of uh, the passing of Terence Dix, who, mm. a name that you're probably not familiar with now. No, but, but uh, uh, again, we we try not to discuss Doctor Who too much off pod, No, but I'd seen like Twitter explode, so yeah. I sent you a little message as if to say like, Who's who's this? <laughs> yeah. So for so for the listeners who 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 uh, are uninitiated, Terence Dix was a really really key figure within the history of Doctor Who and a very much loved um, part of the fan community, a regular at conventions and things like that. Affectionately known by a lot of fans as Uncle Terence. Okay. Um, so in addition to he he started out as a as a writer, a script editor. For Doctor Who, tail end of the Patrick Troughton years, and, and all the way through the uh, John Pertwee years, he was uh, the script editor. So, really did a lot to shape that era of the show. Um, but in addition to that, continued to contribute stories to later Doctor eras, um, and also was a really prolific uh, novelizer. So there was a, a series. There was a series of novels, but published by a, a um, publisher called Target. Were, they were just straight up adaptations of. Uh, televised stories and if you think about the time when those books were coming out we're pre-VHS, pre-DVD and most cases, especially in the UK these the, Doctor Who was rarely repeated there was always new episodes to, mm-hmm. be, to be aired so they rarely re-ran the old ones so for whole generations it was their own, the novelisations were their only way of experiencing stories that maybe they'd missed or re-experiencing ones that they'd seen once on TV two years ago and would potentially never see again. You know, so so the, the target novelizations were a really, really key thing for uh, the sort of older generation of fans. Uh, in many cases, you know, it was Ter- Terence Dix's writing instilled a love of reading for those people. So um, I've... I've read and heard some really really lovely tributes from those older fans who uh, for whom the target novelizations have a particular special place in their heart so but i mean from my perspective i mostly know him outside of his actual contributions to doctor who from uh listening to him in interviews mm-hmm. and, and, and watching special features and things like that and he is a, a just you can tell he's a wonderful human being like you know warm and funny and and, and a bit of a raconteur so yeah a, a genuinely really significant loss for the uh for the doctor who community and and but rather fittingly perhaps there is a new anthology of short stories that's coming out i think they're getting it out in time for christmas this year um which is a yeah collection of short stories uh from previous doctor who contributors from across the generations and terence sticks has got a short story in that, so that's going to be his final contribution to the Lord of Doctor Who. So right up until the very end, you know, he was he was writing uh, about these characters and about this this show that he has such a passion for. So, yeah, wonderful guy. Sad times. Yeah. 
So let's talk about a mediocre episode of Doctor Who, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> in his honour. Yeah, in his honour, we'll talk about the next Doctor. So, yes. Christmas yeah. Day, 2008. Yeah. Um, what did you make of this episode? Okay. Um, I mean, you've already said mediocre. <laughs> yeah, okay. So I think it's got some good ideas in it. Mm-hmm. I think the big thing for me is, um, to put it crudely, I think it blows its load way too early. Yeah, I think... I agree. I think the premise is a pretty good one. Yeah, it's fun. But it's entirely predictable. Yes. Yeah. Like, and, the, and... the clues are not subtle. If we go back no. if we go back to when we were talking about how each episode dropped in, oh, the bees are moving. Yeah. And you just think, oh, no, the, that's probably not important. Here, every little thing they drop in, you're just like... Yeah, 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 I've worked sure. that out by now. Yeah. This is entirely predictable. I think, I think, yeah, to one extent, you can, you can chalk it up to the Christmas specials tend to be a bit broader because mm-hmm. they're aware, obviously, you've got a lot of more casual people coming in who maybe haven't been watching the series religiously, but it's on on Christmas Day. Yeah, it's you know it's either that or whatever's on ITV. So, probably for a lot of people, an evening with Freddie Star. Yeah. Usually is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're still, you're still traumatised about that, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, 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 I think that's probably why, to an extent, uh, it's a bit... For, for You know, if you're watching attentively, you're maybe picking up on everything. The best way to watch a Doctor Who Christmas special is, you know... In a state of bloated confusion and mm. alcoholic fun. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'd enjoy this more, and I, I feel myself saying this more and more. Yeah. If we weren't shotgunning two episodes a week for the sake of podcasting. Yeah. Because the last episode was so good, and this one's just a bit fruity. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's just a, a bit of a letdown, It's a bit it? soft compared to what we've had recently. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, but, you, but it's, it's not to say members. I didn't enjoy it. But. Yeah, there's definitely there's good elements in there, but um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So, so let, let's talk it through. Sure. So, first line of my notes: the TARDIS appears. Yeah, and then I thought, for fuck's sake, it's a historical episode. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, interesting tidbit. Actually, um, I they, this the. the uh, scenes in in these streets in the um, the sort of Victorian London, London, they were actually filmed in Gloucester, and I was living in Gloucester at the time. Oh, really? Uh, when it was being filmed, so uh, yes, yeah. Um, my uh, my partner uh, actually, I, I I didn't actually get an opportunity to go out and see them filming, but she was passing on her way to work one day and and stole a piece of genuine Doctor Who snow. Oh really? She's still oh, got in a box somewhere. Wow. It's yeah, it's just a little flake of paper. But uh, <laughs> so yeah. after the recording of this episode, I'll put David's details for the police if they want to contact <laughs> you regarding that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. If, uh, I mean, I guess uh, we can we can post it back to Cardiff if they want to use it yeah. for the next Christmas special. But watch it. will be the bit of snow that like RTD's grandfather gave him on his deathbed, <laughs> and he's been searching for it ever since. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, so... But yeah, so, I mean... So it's Victorian London. I don't just hate historical episodes. Specifically, I hate the Victorian ones. Yeah. It's such a dull setting. It's been done to death. 
I think the trouble is it's easy for the BBC. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's in their comfort zone, isn't it? Yeah. So that you know they've got all the costumes already. The the, the 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 crew know what they're doing. They've all done but Victorian shit. When we've seen an episode where the Doctor literally meets Charles Dickens, yeah, do we really need to go back to Dickensian times? Yeah. Well, actually, the, to be fair, RTD had similar concerns, and at one point he was trying to write this episode set around the time of King Henry VIII. Okay. Um, but the trouble with that is. It was hard for him to make it Christmassy enough because obviously a lot of what we can recognise as Christmas traditions would have been abolished. <laughs> yeah, well, would have would have existed. They all oh, really yeah. came into existence during the Victorian era. So it's quite hard to do a really Christmassy feeling Christmas special. Yeah. In they an should do one where period. the Doctor and Henry VIII just go around burning monasteries. <laughs> That'd be great because we know everything's alien. So just have an alien monastery. <laughs> That'd be burning. amazing. <laughs> I think we finally found the hook for our uh, fan fiction. Uh. So, they do the one thing I always hate. He walks up to a small child and says, Boy, what day is this? And it's like, Why, sir? It's Christmas Eve. To be fair, that is a direct reference to A Christmas Carol. Yeah, but... It's a cheeky nod. Just stop it. Yeah, fair dues. And then we can hear someone shouting, Doctor. Yeah. So... Immediately, that raises concern, because Uh he doesn't think he knows anyone at this time. And there's a monster. Yeah. So, Should we talk about the design of this monster? It's just a big shaggy dog with a Cyberman head. Yeah, I'm going to go on record. Worst (laughs) Yoo Hoo monster ever. What is it? What what purpose does it serve? It's a Cyber Shade, is referred to it in the episode. But what is it? It's... It's like some sort of cyber beast, basically. It's it's rubbish. It's what it, it's it's a it's rug with a cyber Absolutely crap. It, it, they really are They're just the worst thing. Yeah, uh, the worst monster we've seen. I think. Like, I'm trying to think of. Yeah, no. I'm worse than the, the Absorbaloff, which was designed by a ten year old. Is it worse, worse than the CGI monster from the one that the ring the bell and it falls over? Lazarus Project. It's memorable, at least. The yeah. Lazarus Project one. Um, just, yeah, th- th- I, that's the thing for me. It's The cyber shades are just lazy. Yeah. They don't do anything. <laughs> they sort of, like, go raw a bit. But they're not they scary because they're, like, waving their arms. It just like... looks like a rug from Ikea. Yeah. It doesn't look like yeah. it. Oh, they're useless. Anyway. So, the lady that's been calling for the Doctor, yeah. we let her find out, is Rosita. Yeah. And she doesn't mean the doctor. She means her, her, doctor. her doctor. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Played by David Morrissey. Yeah. Who, I'll be honest, I know that he's a big deal for some people. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever seen him in anything else. He played the governor in Walking Dead back yeah. when The Walking Dead was good. Sure. I've never Before seen it. But... Fell off the yeah. biggest cliff. Was he good in it? Oh, very. Very. Yeah. He's. The, the thing with The Walking Dead and this might be controversial, is that the probably the most seminal enemy is a character called Negan. Right. Who is basically just a horrible man. Right. I prefer the story with the governor. Oh, right. And basically he is a good man gone wrong. Right, so, so no, noble intentions, but... Well, just entirely broken by the situation sure. around him. 
sure. But trying to do the best for people around him in a very broken way. That I, I mean, that does sound interesting, that because that's a more nuanced type of villain to have. So yeah. Yeah. I, I prefer him. I probably yeah. haven't explained it very well there. I mean, he is. What I will say is, he is definitely very good at this. I know around the time that people knew, because at this point, people knew David Tennant was hanging his hat up yeah. fairly soon. That was kind of in the offing because it's you can't much as from a fan's perspective it would be amazing to have like a surprise regeneration mm. that's never going to happen because you, you know there's just too much involved like it takes a year to, to like plan and film a series in advance and like people will be spotted on set and mm-hmm. so yeah so um, we knew David Tennant was on his way out so RTD was having a bit of fun with that with this episode of thing like being like oh the next Doctor maybe I'm doing some kind of weird crossover where it's going to be introduce the new doctor now and david morrissey was one of those names that would come up on like betting lists and stuff like as a potential uh replacement so i I think he's pretty good in this yeah but not given a lot he makes the most of what he's given yes absolutely that's a very good way to put it Yeah. yeah so he is referred to as the doctor he also has a sonic screwdriver a tardis yeah and he's a Time Lord. Yes. So he claims. So, I mean, we're not getting ahead of ourselves by too much when we say that the Doctor believes he could be the Doctor. Sure. A future yeah. incarnation yeah. of the Doctor. Yeah, I mean, because it's happened before. Like, the Doctor has run into future versions of himself mm-hmm. uh, in the past. So, I mean, you've seen it. you um, With Time Crash. Yes, yeah. You know, I wasn't certain whether that was canon or not. Oh no, that it... is one hundred percent canon. Right. So, uh, as much as Doctor Who has a canon, which is yeah. arguable, but anyway, they should um... put Doctor Who in a canon and fucking <laughs> blast it into the ocean. <laughs> right. So, at this point, they're sort of both stood there. The door bursts open. We see the shitty Cyberman, and they both say, "Alonzi." Yes. And we get the Time Lords. Yeah. So there we go. We've got our premise for the episode. The Doctor has met this possible future incarnation of the Doctor. Perhaps not. Okay. Time will tell. So, they explain that the Cybershade is like a primitive Cyberman. Yeah. Which doesn't really make any no, sense. it's rubbish. Because they don't evolve. We've seen where they yeah. come from. Yeah. So, the other Doctor... Worse re- than the pig slaves. Oh, yeah. From Darling yeah. Red Hatton. Yeah. So, I, I've referred to David Morrissey as the other Doctor throughout my notes. Yeah. So he lassoes it in a bid to catch it, but yeah. it's too strong and it pulls him up the side of a building. Uh-huh. And the, our doctor, the real doctor, yeah. jumps, grabs the rope to yeah. keep tabs on the fake doctor. So yeah. he seems more intrigued by the other doctor than he actually is the Cyberman. Yes. He realises it's just a Cyberman, I'll just yeah. beat it eventually. Yeah, but, but he's intrigued by this premise. Yeah. Running into a future version of himself, that's a novelty. So, yeah. Yeah. So. From a nice change from just running about for a bit, they're dragged about for a bit. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I, I enjoy this this like for what it is. Yeah, I enjoy this scene uh, yeah. until the rope is cut by Rosita. Now yeah. we mentioned her earlier. Should yeah. we just take a few seconds to talk about her? Yeah. What do you think of Rosita? She's okay. Yeah. I, I thought there might have been a possibility because she's the companion to this other Doctor. Yeah. That she should. Become the real companion to the real doctor. I think that would have been nice I because think she's, she's sort of had 
She's got the adventurous spirit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She's... I mean, the fake doctor comes across as a bit of a nitwit, and yeah. she's like the brains of the operation, which Definitely. would be a good contrast to, like, Donna. Yes. Who isn't the brains of the... <laughs> who's the heart of the operation. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I saw some potential there. I yeah. thought that would have been okay. Yeah. Um... So she cuts the rope with the axe, mm-hmm. and they're told there's 20 minutes till the funeral. Yeah. Which clearly means something to the fake doctor, but not our doctor. No. So it's at this point they have the conversation where the real doctor claims fake doctor is the next doctor. Yeah. See how convoluted yes. and yes. complicated this yeah. is getting? Or maybe some kind of, he says, maybe not the next, but next, but one, some future. Yeah, a future so, incarnation. So, which <laughs> is clever writing because. We're watching this from the perspective where we know which doctors are coming. Yeah. But at the time. But at the, but but if we could still at this stage, if this is your first time watching this episode, you'd be like, well, okay, so maybe it's not the the exact next one, but yeah, it could still be one further in the Doctor's future. But his memory is damaged. He has yeah. no recollection of David Tennant yeah. as the Doctor, or indeed any previous yeah. incarnations of Doctor. I don't think. Yeah. I think it might be at this point he says there's a battle and he can't remember anything before. Yes. Before that. Yeah. Uh, that's right. He says nothing. He can remember nothing, sorry, before the Cybermen came. Yeah. Uh, at this point, they acknowledge Blink, the best episode. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your face, your mouth says yes, but your face tells a very different story. I mean, it's all right. It's, not, it's a very good one. Yeah. The best. Okay. And then the fake Doctor departs. Now, the Cybermen claim that the fake Doctor is the Doctor. And this is what I mean in the sense that it's becoming a bit predictable. Yeah. If everyone's saying someone's the Doctor, he's probably not yeah, the Doctor. Yeah, there's got to be some kind of twist. As, especially the if they're saying that our Doctor isn't the Doctor. We know something yeah. skewed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and at this point, we're introduced to Miss Hartigan. Yeah. Played by Dervla Kerwin, who was pretty much in everything at this point on TV. Was she? What else was she She in? was in Ballast Kiss Angel. All right. And I think off the back of that, just became like yeah. one of those people that was just in yeah. everything. Again, I feel like I've only ever seen her in this. But I think she's fine. My big feeling with Miss Hartigan as a villain, because, uh, yeah, spoiler alert, she's the villain of this story. Because mm-hmm. um, like, we... Her, is her introduction just her gate crashing the funeral? Yes. Yeah, so... Everyone's in she, black, traditional funeral fare. Yeah. She turns up bright red. Yeah. Not funeral fare. She's yeah. quite glamorous. Yes, yes. Dressed as a harlot, I believe one yeah. of the uh, stuffy old men says. And it's it's a, it's a funeral for some, like, reverend or somebody, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, but yeah, I feel like my my feeling on her as a villain is... We are lacking her origin story. Hmm. I want to... Like, it's obliquely hinted at that she's had some hardship and she's been overlooked by these these types of patriarchal Victorian men for whatever reason. And she's hungry for power and, and retribution for that. Hmm. But I feel like that's not quite enough. I feel like I needed to get a better sense of her suffering that has brought her to this point. Plus, every time we watch an episode where a bad enemy is just simply dropped in and introduced as being yeah. bad, 
it never lasts, does it? No. If there's a slow burn, we know they're going to be important. But if it's just quite literally like, look at this person, they're bad. Yeah. It, it means nothing. Yeah, that's the thing. It's just like, we, we dropped in and she is already in cahoots with the Cybermen. Yeah. And, and it's just like... Plus, every time we see someone ally themselves with aliens, yeah. it never works. No, no. It never works. I mean, best case scenario, you turned into a horrible man pig. <laughs> You know, I think I think I'm right in saying yeah. that's the best anyone's got. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Still. <laughs> anyway, I, I, there's not really much more to say about no, this. Half no, again. so that, that, she, she's, she's a bit uninspiring as a yeah, villain. Yeah, as well. I think I, I think an interesting premise, but underexplored, and as a result, I feel doesn't really have the impact that she should have. So, speaking of interesting premises. The Cyber King will rise. Yeah. Cyber King, is that classic who? Or is that I new? Do we have cyber leaders? I don't know if they've ever had a Cyber King before. What about the one Cyberman in this episode that has a brain? Uh, oh, yes. Um, I think he would be designated the Cyber Leader. I think that's maybe his and, uh, rank. And where did these Cybermen come from? Because we know Cybermen were created in the future, then blasted to another dimension. Yeah, and then I—I I mean, the I know that. Does mention it in the episode. He kind of says, um, "Oh well, these ones must have like fallen through in time. Everything in falls through time in yeah. this. Yeah, <laughs> it's difficult. Time's tricky stuff. Well, it's not. <laughs> you know, oh, the time wall—that was time locked. Oh no, yeah. it doesn't matter. We've just fallen through that. It makes absolutely zero <laughs> sense. Right. Point is, they're here now. And we've got to deal with it. So, the real Doctor follows the fake Doctor. Yeah. And this is where we witness his sonic screwdriver. Yes. Which is just a screwdriver. So that's the first indication that something's not right. Yeah. So, yeah, first of all, we've got got a Doctor with amnesia. And he's lacking one of the essential tools of the trade. So the fake... and, can we can we address though the the joke where the doctor's like, how is that a sonic screwdriver? And Jack uh, and uh, the, the 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 next doctor says, well, it makes a noise. <laughs> it yeah. sort of taps it on a on a door frame. Yeah, like sonic. Yeah, that's not that's not a good justification. No. But he's investigating a professor of maths that disappeared. Yes. And at the moment, many children are missing. Um, and the fake Doctor knows the real Doctor's face. And we get a really good bit. This is probably one of my favourite bits of the episode when I watch this. Uh, that The fake Doctor has a pocket watch. Yes. And I was really looking forward to some chameleon arc babble. Yeah, you were like, oh, here we and go. You know, the significance we've had of yeah. pocket watches. Yeah. And so were you thinking like, Oh, well, maybe. Maybe he's not the Doctor. Maybe he's a different Time Lord who knew the Doctor. Yeah. Or, yeah, there's yeah, there's potential here. And at this point, they find an info stamp. Oh, well, uh, we, we need to address the, the, the payoff for the pocket watch. Does, which does is, that happen uh, now? I, I think, think that, it does, doesn't okay. it? Okay, yeah, we'll maybe we can go doesn't. for that now. But anyway, yeah, so then, like, you know, the, 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 the Doctor, he does the speech, like, legend has it that the... the the identity of a time lord can sometimes be trapped within a pocket watch such as this. And it pushes the button and it just goes boink. Yeah. And the power flops. Yeah. And so 
the reason for his amnesia isn't the chameleon arc. No. He has not become human. Yeah. There's something else at play. Absolutely. So, as I said, they find an info stamp, which is pretty much just a memory stick. Yeah, only big and cumbersome. Yeah. And easy to jerry-rig into a laser. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Very convenient bit of tech from a writer's perspective, isn't it? So, yeah, it's like a big tube of Pringles, and when you open the end, it shoots a laser out. Awesome information. Yeah. Depending on how it's functioning at the time. Exactly. Whatever's most convenient. And also, the, the, apparently the Cybermen store them in big leather holsters. Yeah. <laughs> like... yeah. As if they would need to. <laughs> yeah. Especially because when the Cyberman uses one, yeah. he inserts it into his, his chest. chest. So yeah. the holster would be in the way. He'd have to take it off. <laughs> I didn't even consider that. I've only just noticed. <laughs> so he's got this massive belt... <laughs> Yeah, and he's going to have to take work. it off. That would not work, would it? I mean, apart from anything else, I I feel like, at this stage, Cybermen are fairly advanced technology. You'd think it would just be cloud-based. Yeah, you? yeah. You'd think they would just have... Or they'd have, like, a, a, the Cyberman equivalent of Dropbox or something, and they could just look stuff up. Well, we've there. got that planet, the library. Yeah. That had books. Yeah, actual <laughs> books. These are more cumbersome than books. Yeah. <laughs> This is a step back. <laughs> but anyway. I mean, surely they should just have Encarta. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Just access uh, that, play that little knowledge game. Oh, yeah, the little maze that yeah. you go through. Excellent. So, the fake doctor has seen the info stamps before, and he was holding one the night he lost his mind. Uh-huh. That was the exact point I'd worked out what was happening. Yeah, this ev- ev- everything all falls into place. Yeah. But the episode... One doesn't want you to get there for another what, 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he also claims that the Doctor was there the night he lost his mind. Sure. I mean, he wasn't, but we'll cross that bridge. Yeah. So whilst they're rummaging through this Professor of Maths room, the Doctor opens a cupboard. There's just a Cyberman in it. So this is where we get the running about for a bit. Yeah. Nice I mean, first things. of several... Running about for yeah. this episode. There's a lot of running about in this episode. This is quite a short one because they just sort of run along a landing and halfway down the stairs. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, the Doctor grabs a, a sabre yes. off the wall. Yeah. And we get a little bit of swashbuckling. Yeah. But what good's a sabre against a man with metal skin? That it just sort of tings off. It's a sonic attack, yeah. <laughs> according to the other Doctor. Yeah. Um, so the Doctor tells the Cyberman he is the Doctor. They sort of refute that claim. And it's at this point that the fake doctor kills them with the info stamp. So he just sort of takes the lid off, shoots a big laser. It's really convenient. Yeah, you feel like if if it can be that dangerous and fatal to Cybermen, who are at the end of the day the the beings that these things were designed for, that you'd think they would have more safety precautions in place. Like it would be harder to take the cap off. Yeah. It's not even a push cap like you get on medicine. No. It's just literally it's like, like a tube of Pringle. Yeah. Right. So, back at the funeral, this is the point where Hartigan arrives and everyone's very appalled. But Cybermen close in on the funeral and they begin attacking people in the least entertaining <laughs> battle scene yeah. we've probably ever seen. Yeah. Uh, except for a designated few. 
And the reason some of these people are spared is because they own workhouses. Yeah. So it's the children that the Cybermen and Hartigan are actually after. Yeah. So, yeah. And can we just talk about as well, these particular Cybermen, so they are very closely, I think they are just the Cybus Cybermen from the other dimension that we've already seen. So, again, they're stomping around. They're saying, delete, delete, delete. I'm just going to go on record here. RTD is shit at Cybermen. Yeah. I love the Cybermen, but I don't think you have yet you have yet seen a good Cyberman story. No, like... Really. I mean, Doomsday and... Uh, the Series 2 uh, finale. That is a really good story, but it's not a good Cyberman story. Yeah, like, it's, Cyberman it, reading, it's but... not good because of the Cyberman. Exactly. Because yeah. they're the main threat until the Daleks appear. Yeah. And then they're just cannon fodder yeah. for the Daleks. I, I would say, yeah, I... I don't really have a fondness for them on yeah. account of we haven't seen that killer story yet. And, I, and I'm hoping when those stories do arrive, and, and they they will, mm. there are some brilliant Cybermen story coming up, um, and I'm really, really hoping that you won't have just been completely soured on them. By, so by the time you get a good Cybermen, you're like, oh, God, it's the Cybermen. Uh, so we'll see. But... So back with the fake Doctor and the real Doctor... And the fake doctor has evidence from a man called Jackson Lake. He was the first person murdered in line with the ongoing killings. Yes. Um, so the real doctor can't wait to see the fake doctor's TARDIS. He say, claims he's got a TARDIS. <laughs> and yes. then the doctor's like, oh, I cannot wait. He thinks yeah. it's going to be this future incarnation of the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. I mean, we as the audience, I think, are, I think we, I, we are maybe already supposed to feel like this is not going to be yeah. a TARDIS. Uh, at know? this point, yeah. I assumed it might just be a police box. Yeah. Just a wooden box. <laughs> um, so we get an explanation of how the fake Doctor met Rosita. It was saving her from Cybermen. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think we really get much of an illusion why they were after her. They just sort of grabbed her. Yeah. And... In amongst Jackson Lake's crates, the Doctor's rummaging through evidence, they find another info stamp. I think it's at this point they find the big belt of info stamps. Oh, yes, they do, yeah. So they grab those and they head to the TARDIS, which stands for Tethered Aerial Release Developed in Style. I hate that joke. It's just a hot air balloon, isn't it? Yeah, it's a hot air balloon. And, like, you you can feel the sweat on RTD's brow as he is trying to come up with that uh, with that acronym. Would you say it's developed in style? No. No, it's absolutely shite, isn't it? And also, just, it's, uh, there is a, look, Tethered release. that's all right. That, that second half developed in style, there, there is, if he'd spent another half an hour on it, he could have come up with something better. Yeah. What are your thoughts on hot air balloons? Just in general. I wouldn't go with one. No, like, I feel like it's the sort of thing we should have moved past. I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's the same as when I see people driving traction engines. <laughs> Just like let it go, guys. Yeah, it's nice and all, but you ever been on a bus? I mean, yeah, they take up a lot of space as well. Those kinds of things, yeah. Don't they? It's just like I'm like I'm, I'm all for like preserving some of them because it is part of our history and stuff. But you look at the uh, the sheer quantity 
of like old steam-powered vehicles yeah. that are still being lovingly preserved and kept in garages all over this country. I'm thinking like, you could house a small family yeah. in the space it takes right. <laughs> to keep quite, one quite recently, I, I went to a county show and I took my dear old dad who's yeah. quite keen on mechanics and things like that. Yeah. And we just walked around this little area where people had engines. Not in cars, not on <laughs> motorbikes. And it was like a competition who could build their engine and rev it the loudest. And I just felt sad. <laughs> I just felt sad. I don't know. Everyone needs a hobby. Yeah, but these people were just sort of trapped in the past. <laughs> it was upsetting. Hey-ho. Anyway, so yeah, so, hot air balloon. That's yeah. our TARDIS. And the, the fake doctor has never flown in it and claims he only will when London is safe. Yeah. So... Whereas our Doctor sort of goes from adventure to adventure, I think the fake Doctor has the same idea, just at a slower pace. Yeah. He can't just buzz around the place in his hot air balloon. And there's one little thing that I wanted to address here that I don't know whether you maybe would have noticed or not. The, the Doctor says, oh, so it's, you know, it's uh, powered by gas, is it? And uh, the the next Doctor says, oh, yes, well, we're, we're right next to such and such gas works. I pay them a modest fee. It's not the same kind of gas, right? No. You can't you can't just put like the gas you'd use for a gas lamp in a hot air balloon. It would explode. Well, because uh, it's flammable gas. But isn't the premise of a hot air balloon that the gas inside it is just ordinary air but heated so it becomes less dense and rises? But I even don't, I mean, then, I don't know. like in a gas lamp, you would want slow burning gas, yeah. and here you would want quite fast gas. Otherwise, you would just continually float upwards and upwards till you ran out, then you'd die. Yeah, I mean, I don't know enough about hot air balloons to know exactly how that. But I feel like you wouldn't just get your gas from the local gas works. No, no, in no. Victorian England. Plus, yeah, they wouldn't have, for example, pressurized butane containers yeah. like you would use nowadays. <laughs> Yeah, um, but uh, and also on a on a just a practical note, why would you leave it permanently inflated like that? Yeah, like yeah. like it's always on standby. That's very wasteful. And he's hiring that bloke. What's his name? Jed or something? Yeah. he's yeah. just is his job just to stand there next <laughs> to that balloon twenty four seven. Yeah, it's not hidden in plain sight like the Doctor's real TARDIS. Is yeah, it? right. So, at that point, the Doctor works out how the fake Doctor became the Doctor. Yeah. And we cut back to Hartigan with the men spared at the funeral, the people that run the workhouses, and they now all have earpieces. Yeah, boring, flipping earpieces. Yeah, we know that's not good. Yeah. And it's at this point the Doctor claims the last of the Cybermen fell back through time to 1851. There you go. Absolute horseshit excuse. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> roll with it right so the fake doctor's watch belongs to Jackson Lake they turn it over it's oh, got yes. JL engraved yeah. on it and the basically the fake doctor opened the timestamp on the doctor it's a nice little bit where we see all the previous doctors yeah. as the information floods into his brain nice to see isn't it yeah so what what's happened here is Jackson Lake has had his mind purged with information on the Doctor. Yeah. So the only thing he knows is the Doctor, so 
he therefore believes he is the doctor. Yeah. However, the real doctor. I feel like I'm saying the word doctor a lot. I mean, yes, <laughs> you definitely are. So the real doctor tells Jackson Lake. I'm going to refer to him as now. Yeah. That the timestamp information can't make you lose your mind. Something else had to be going on. Yeah, some kind of emotional trigger. So he points to the evidence, the luggage of Jackson Lake, and says there's quite a lot there for just one man. And we get the revelation that Jackson Lake lost his mind when his wife was killed by Cybermen. Yeah. He opened the info stamp. His brain was already fractured that's how this all took place uh-huh. and it's a sad story yeah and uh david morrissey plays this really well I yes feel like. his yeah. emotion in this scene is is really it's understated but really well done um uh, as it all sort of like starts to click into place in his brain mm. my big criticism of this scene is not that it exists but that we get it exactly the midpoint in this episode we are 30 minutes into an hour long episode and we've got this revelation and, and this is what I mean when I say that I feel like this episode just blows its load too soon mm. we've had all of these hints really early on up top we've got the big revelation now and there's basically there's one little additional addendum to the to Jackson Lake story but we've basically got the whole picture and so you go into the story with the fun premise of like you've got this mystery is it another doctor or is it not either way we've got like effectively two doctors running around and that's fun mm. and like already halfway through it's like oh no it's just a really sad story now we've got this just sort of like useless sad sack of a man yeah they've got to drag around for the for the second half of this episode yeah. and I feel like it is a drag like this point on, I feel like it really is a slog to get through the second half of this story. Yeah, it does slow down a little bit after this. Yeah. And when we get to it, I'll talk about a little bit that I just thought was a bit pointless. But yeah, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll get there. Right. So, it's now Christmas Day, and the info stamps all start beeping, and the Doctor realises it's a call to arms. What what are these info stamps? Oh, they're, they're Why just do they absolute do this? MacGuffins. It's just like they're whatever you need them to be yeah. for the point of plot. I mean, imagine if you had some work stored on a memory stick, but at any point it could kill you or summon you to join the army. Because <laughs> that's what this is. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it's baffling. Yeah, I mean, they're just. Yeah. Whatever you need them to be for <laughs> yeah. the point of plot. Indeed. So, the fake doctor is losing his mind. He's a complete mess. But they notice all the workhorse, workhorse, <laughs> workhouse owners from earlier are now marching children through London. Sure. Yeah. And it takes them to the court of the Cyber King. Yes. I mean. Sure. Yeah, why not? <laughs> it doesn't mean anything, no, does it? We've got no context for what the Cyber King would be, so yeah, yeah. On we go. So the Doctor now meets Miss Hartigan. Yeah, he proves to the Cybermen that he is the real Doctor, and Hartigan replies by saying the Cyber King will rise tonight. Yeah, again, just means nothing. Yeah, like we're we're constantly told, oh, the Cyber King's coming, but. Until we see it, it doesn't mean anything, no, does it? It's, it's not a, it's much a, of a threat. It's really hollow. Yeah. 
And I, I do like that initially the Doctor is like, he's kind of entreating Miss Hartigan to come over and he's like saying, look, you've been, you've, your mind's been tampered with, etc., etc." And, and then she's like, nah, I, I know exactly what I'm doing here. So I, I think that was an interesting Is it twist. at this point where we get the big reveal of how evil she is when her eyes turn black? Not quite yet. Is it not quite yet? Not quite yet. So Jackson Locke in amongst all his evidence, has the deeds to his house. And he thinks that is the key to solving this mystery. He thinks there could be something else in the cellar. Sure. He remembers when he lost his mind, he was in his cellar. Yeah. So, Hartigan kills all the workhouse owners and the children are put to work. This is the bit where I just thought, what what is going on here? <laughs> it's where it sort of turns from Doctor Who a little bit towards like the Goonies. Because they're just in like this underground ramshackle cavern, but it's also an engine. Yeah, they're building an engine. I just thought this is the worst part of this episode. Yeah. And in particular, the very worst part is coming. So, at this point in my notes, I've put, why does one of the Cybermen have a brain? Couldn't really work that out. Cyber leader. Yeah, I mean... And the Doctor finds a cyber vault in Jackson Locke's cellar. And it's how the Cybermen travelled through time. So, did one of them fall through time, or did it use the cyber vault? Don't know. Don't care. I feel like Like, Adi wrote both versions. This episode is just a big bowl of spaghetti, isn't it? (laughs) It's just nonsense. Like, again, you follow a thread and it's just spaghetti. just, Just mentally... Add a few glasses of brandy to your brain. Yeah. And, and, and well, you I text to... you in the week to oh, say yeah. I was drunk watching <laughs> these episodes. <laughs> and I don't know whether that helped. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to the second episode. <laughs> yeah. But it, I couldn't wrap my head around some of the crap <laughs> that is talked about here. Yeah. Right. So, Cyberman with a brain says Hartigan will become the Cyber King. Yeah. Now, isn't the point of the Cybermen to take away like the human weakness of humanity, but yes. then they appoint a human as their leader? But well, they, they, they what what the Cybermen do is they it effectively it's they enhance in inverted commas the uh, the human being by adding this sort of exoskeleton, removing emotions, etc., etc. So what they want her to do by becoming the Cyber King is to become sort of the the processing unit for this very special type of Cyberman. Mm. Um, so they're still planning on like stripping over emotions, etc., etc. But it's rubbish, right? Yeah. The children, as we've said, in their cave are building an engine. They need it to generate electricity. Yeah. Hartigan is still emotional at this point. The Cybermen say that's beyond standard parameters. Yes. So she kills the brain Cyberman. Yeah, so she's like, she's now strapped into her little throne, isn't she? Yeah. I think this is where her eyes have gone black. Yeah. Um, so tropey. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so basically... And we have seen before uh, people with very strong emotional drives managing to overpower the basic Cyberman programming. We saw it with, most notably, I think so far, uh, the leader of Torchwood yes. in the series two, two-parter, you know, gunning yeah. down other Cybermen. 
so it is possible. You know, we it's, saw it it's with that really process. sad Cyberman, didn't we? Where what was that Welsh lady from Torchwood? Oh, oh. Mrs. Something. Oh yes, uh, and no, they I, find a sad I, Cyberman. I know what you mean. It's, it, what happens is, I think, I think what happens is they 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 uh, they disable the emotional that's inhibitor right. on it, and that's when we get yeah it, yeah. It's one of the most. It's definitely the most brutal scene in that story, isn't yeah. it? It sticks with you at that moment. So the Cybermen are ordered to delete the workforce. This is where we get them chanting delete. Okay, hopefully I, sell some toys in Woolworths. I hate that they've got that catchphrase. So they're on the way to kill the children. Yeah. Except the Doctors and Rosita free all the children. Except one. And when the fake Doctor looks at him, his PTSD kicks in. Yeah. And he realises it's his son. So that's yeah. the final piece on how Jackson Locke lost his mind. But yeah. this is the bit I just don't like. Because it seemingly goes on forever. Yeah. Where there's the little boy up on like a high just sort platform. Of standing gormlessly. Yeah. You know, he there's like a worry. there's a la- an a ladder like to his immediate left <laughs> that he could climb down. Yeah. He uh, stands there. Uh, yeah, he's just sort of there. Yeah. And then Jackson Locke sort of stares at him for a bit, then the child stares at him for a bit. Yeah. And it goes on forever yeah. until the doctor just literally just swings up, grabs him, swings back down. Yes. And can I tell you, I also hate this moment. Shall I tell you why I particularly hate it? I don't dislike the premise of the final missing piece is that Jackson Lake has, you know, has a son and he'd forgotten about his son. And, you know, that's kind of like the last thing to bring him back to. And because, for one, we're invested in Jackson Lake's story, or at least we should be. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice to give him something to live for, even though he's lost his wife. That's I think is pretty. That's a good impulse for the writer to have. Um, what I wanted from that moment, and I feel it every time I watch this episode, which isn't too often. But, yeah. But um, he should save his son. Yeah. Um, because there's like, no redemption in his no, arc there I, is there I, I feel like you've got it should have that moment where it's like yes now he knows he is not the doctor but for that one moment he can be he the draws hero. on on the on the, he's learned the lessons of sort of courage and uh and, and you know just yeah that heroism inherent in the doctor and says i can be that hero too i'm not the doctor but I can save my son, and, and, and you know, sweeping. How much more emotionally impactful would that moment be? Yeah. But instead, no. Doctor saves the day again. Whoop de doo. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. It, it's a bit of a nothing scene. I exactly. Didn't really care for yeah. It. So it turns out that the engine that everyone's been building is actually a starter motor for something bigger. Yeah. And I've then put the Cybermen have built an Iron Giant. <laughs> yeah. Just a big steampunk robot. Yeah. Like a mech. Right. It's I mean it's massive. It's absolutely fucking massive. <laughs> yeah. Did you like it? No. No. <laughs> like I just thought <laughs> I, I, I feel like it's just too much for Doctor Who, do you know what I mean? Well, at the same time, I felt it wasn't enough because it was like some sort of steam powered chugger bug. Yeah. So absolute worst case scenario, the doctor would just find a way to push it over. <laughs> and like it's not yeah. threatening because it goes at about half a mile an hour. I mean, to be fair, it's like crushing whole streets underfoot. Yeah, but 
I mean, if I really was alive in 1851 and I saw a giant metal monster, I'd probably be quite scared. Yeah. But it's probably the least intimidating thing we've seen. I think, and I think part of that is because we are so decent. It's the whole bit giant mech stomping around a city is such a trope that it doesn't have any impact for us as a modern audience. Yeah. And yeah, I don't, it's it's rare that I look. I've said before, I love that Doctor Who is all about variety and it's you can tell any kind of story and stuff like that. So I don't like being like, oh, well, you can't do this in Doctor Who. Yeah. I think there is a version where you could do like a mech type uh, threatening thing in Doctor Who and make it work. But this doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't at all. So there's only one way to reach the top of a giant mech. Get in your hot air balloon. Oh, you mean your tethered aerial release developed in style? Yeah. And again, I feel like we've spent too much time talking about hot air balloons. Yeah. But aren't they incredibly difficult to steer? I would have Don't you so. sort of just go where the wind takes you? I think you pretty much have to, don't yeah. you? Yeah. So you in don't order, have a rudder. In order for him to like hover in front of the face <laughs> of this, it's a, a large convenient player. Like, it's a sonic screwdriver. Maybe. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so he does fly up to the top of yeah. this Cyber King mech and he offers Hartigan and the Cybermen a new world if yeah. they spare Earth. He basically says, I'll give you your own planet. Uninhabited. You can live there. You can march around, stomping around, just whatever. Yeah, what would they do? What would the Cybermen do this if they is don't my have point. anyone to convert? I, I talked about this with the Daleks. When they've wiped everyone out... Yeah. Is it going to be like I have the image I see in my head is almost like the Flintstones, yeah. But where you have Mister Dalek coming home from the mill <laughs> to Mrs. Dalek and their baby Dalek. There is a there is a Spike Milligan sketch. I don't know if you ever seen it. Uh, called uh, "Put It in the Curry," where it genuinely is. It's it's a Dalek coming home and saying, "Hello, dear. How was your day?" See, that, um, that's it. That's yeah. going to be the finale of their plan. And it's the same with the Cybermen. Like, eventually, if they're just on a planet on their own without any emotion, they're going to get bored, which I assume goes against their protocol of emotion, and they'll need emotion again. Otherwise, they'll just be like, yeah, I walked for a bit today. So what? Yeah. It's, uh, uh, they need to grow up. <laughs> they just need, they need to be a little bit more thoughtful. Indeed. Right, so, in order to give Hartigan her humanity back, he, of course, blasts her with the info stamp, with the information of humanity. Yeah. uh, Which drives her mad. And then he just sort of warps away the big Cyberman. It's convenient, isn't it? Oh, yeah, because he's grabbed... uh, On his way out of the, the workhouse, he's, like, grabbed this sort of... Cyber sector or something. Oh yeah, that was the thing, wasn't it? The 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 time. Yeah. Vault. The time vault. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It's it's again. It's just because RTDB did some way of getting rid. That doesn't of solve the problem. He's just blasted them through time, so they're just yeah. going to reappear at Somewhere a later else. date. I know he doesn't kill people, but it's all save him well, a lot of time. To be fair, doesn't doesn't when Hartigan becomes realizes what she's done and like is fully rehumanized don't all like the other dalek uh, the cybermen just like explode or something yeah Yeah, so to be fair i don't think she's it was more just a case of getting it out of the way 
so it doesn't crush half of London. Yeah. I just think he's got bigger problems down the line now, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, potentially. Right. So, what's he get clapping? Yeah, I've got the fake doctor gets everyone to cheer for the doctor. Yeah. And he invites him for Christmas dinner. Now, I don't care whether you're the doctor or who you are, you do not turn down a Christmas dinner. No. Sunday dinners are great, and the Christmas dinner's the best Sunday dinner of the year. Absolutely. I'm going to my mum's later today for <laughs> Sunday dinner, and I'm absolutely, like, chomping at the bit for it. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to give away my personal calendar, but, like, <laughs> after this, I'm going to play D&D for the day. That's a packed schedule. I can take or leave that. Now I know there's a Sunday dinner on the way. I won't have lunch. I'll be clearing space today for that. Excellent. So the yeah. doctor says no. He says no, just not for me. Yeah, but he does show before. does show Jackson the real TARDIS. Yeah. Jackson is probably on the verge of losing his mind again. He can't comprehend yeah, the space I, inside. I feel like it's. From a from a sort of mental health perspective, it wasn't the best choice he could have made. Yeah, yeah. Let the man recover, but, but you know, he's, but, he's had a tough tough old time with it. But anyway, but when he realizes all the space, Jackson asks why the Doctor travels alone, and he this is probably one of the better bits of the episode. Yeah, he just says, "Well, they leave, they move on, my companions," and he says, "They break my heart." Yeah pretty sad isn't it, it is considering strange. the last thing we saw in the last episode was all his companions <laughs> leaving yeah um but then he does go for christmas dinner so it's nice yeah all's he, changes, well ends he, well. he manage, Lake manages to change his mind where's jackson gonna get a christmas dinner from on christmas day he says the shops won't be, to an inn. are they yeah will it be boiled goose isn't that what they all ate in yeah, dickensian time probably probably yeah but yeah it was an okay episode this yeah i that's probably all I can say about it. It's bang on okay. Yeah. Like, the idea is good. I don't think it's executed that well. I think that Jackson is a pretty good character. Rosita is a pretty good character. Yeah. But then the like... Cyber King and Hartigan aren't very good characters. No, the, 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 villain, the whole villain plot is quite weak. Yeah. Uh, and I do feel like I just wanted just a couple more scenes of Jackson Blake as the Doctor. Like yeah. doctoring around, I just wanted a little bit more of that, and more of Rosita as well. I feel like she gets really sidelined, and we don't really see her later on the in the half. episode. Yeah, yeah, she's just. And again, I would have loved it if she tagged along. I mean, obviously, she wants to stick with Jackson Lake and you know look after him and stuff, which is yeah. you know nice. But but that could have been like the next spin-off. We could have had Torchwood eighteen fifty one. That would have been fun. Yeah, I'd, I'd be up for that. I mean, a whole series of historical adventures. Now you're talking my language. I probably punched through <laughs> my teeth. <laughs> but yeah, it was okay. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah, it definitely has its moments. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess that that's about all we've got to say about that. Thanks very much for listening, as ever. Next week we're going to be talking about Planet of the Dead. Yeah. Until then, thanks very much for listening. Cheerio. Bye now. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. 
and thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who.